So welcome back to the latest episode of our DLT in the Real World podcast series, uh, designed to give you the practical details of where, why, and how DLT is being deployed across the capital market space today. So RUN as a joint initiative with ISSA, the International Security Services Association, we're speaking to a range of industry leaders over the coming year to leverage their direct experience in building and using DLT in their real worlds. Today, we're fantastically lucky to be able to talk with Matthias from the SDX, who I would imagine is probably one of the most high profile actioners of DLT in the industry at the moment. So Matthias, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, having me with you. Really interesting. So there's no shortage of visibility around the SDX, your plans, your achievements to date. But I thought it'd be great just to jump straight in on essentially from your perspective, digital marketplace. Essentially, what are we trying to get done from an outcomes perspective in terms of what does the roadmap look like and ultimately how does that play out for the industry? Yes. Let me go back one step and then going back to 2018 when Six Group and all started and then Six Group did announce to actually set up STX with the idea to tokenize assets and cover the full value chain on, on the distributed electric technology. I think that the main driver for that for that journey was was the the recent market development in, in 2018. We've seen uh, the the evolving new new marketplaces or cryptocurrency exchanges. I think that was one one driving factor. They they were focusing on, on cryptocurrencies or crypto assets in the space with little or no no regulation. At the same time, there were a lot of incumbents like like ICE, back. GC and and another six group, they realized there there is a there is a demand, there is a potential, uh, and they actually start to include digital assets into their strategy, and it started off with with initial proof of concepts, and that is actually how six group has positioned um, STX in 2018, and what is the the underlying narrative uh, for, for from a, from a six from an STX perspective? I think first of all. It's about being a first mover and, and, and occupying the space of, of digital assets. Secondly, it is about building building a bridge between the traditional financial industry and the newly evolving blockchain or digital asset ecosystem. And then obviously we, there are two angles. It's a cost perspective and a revenue perspective. From a cost perspective, it's it's the aim is to leverage DLT to streamline and, and automate post-rate related processes. And from a revenue perspective, it's it's about using the technology to enable us, primarily our clients, which which are banks, to implement new 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 business models, innovative business models, but also offering new types of, of products and, and, and services. And I think we we, we have now done late the foundation with, with the go-live of, of STX last year uh, and, and the scope of that uh, has been digital bonds and, and digital equities and, and as before mentioned covering the entire value chain so from, from trading, settlement and, and custody. Yeah and so that, that's a, a very complete uh, view and it works perfectly because ultimately so I think as you said the costs cost and revenue facilitation piece is a really interesting kind of endpoint to the journey. In terms of actually, so then what's happened so far, just to kind of, I suppose, catch up anyone that's been missing it, we've had the, the digital bond issuance in November last year, right? 
We've had the CBDC experiments, which I'm looking forward to talking more about the learnings from those. We've had uh, the mirroring of the commercial papers issuance, I think, right, in terms of mirroring digital assets elsewhere on the SDX. And then, if I understand right, and then we have custody kind of custody as, as part of the crypto play kind of as, as something for this year. Is that is that a fair sweep of kind of what we've got done to date? Yes, um, I think that's summarizing quite well. I think 2021, as you alluded to, we have been able to receive the uh, licenses from the Swiss regulators, so from FINMA. Uh, we, we got two licenses. One is a, a stock exchange license and one is a CSD license. An important fact to mention here is also that our CSD, so the, the security settlement system and the custody system, is being based and, and operated uh, up in a, a DLT, so a distributed ledger technology. And I think that's the novelty which we have brought into the market. And then following the the, the license approval, we, we have managed to, to onboard the, the first three clients, Swiss large Swiss banks, so UBS, ZKB and, and Credit Suisse, have been onboarded to SDX. And um, so the first transaction we then conducted in, in by the end of November. Um, at the same time, we have uh, followed up on our work. We have started in 2019 with the Swiss National Bank on a wholesale CBDC. In 2020, we have conducted phase one of wholesale CBDC. Uh, the aim there was um, how can we bring central bank money onto the system of SDX and in 2021, we have then successfully completed uh, phase two of, of Project Helvetia. That's how the project is called. And the focus there was actually expanding the scope and involving Swiss and, and foreign commercial banks and, and doing uh, an end-to-end -end integration of wholesale CBDC. So the aim was actually to replicate wholesale CBDC onto the uh, accounting systems of the core banking systems. and. At the same time, also in 2020, 21, we, we conducted a, a cross-border wholesale CDC experiment with Swiss National Bank and uh, the Banque de France. And as you mentioned, uh, one, one there were two or three angles. So one was uh, Swiss franc wholesale CDC, which we brought onto our platform. We then brought a, a Euro wholesale CDC onto our platform. And last but not least, we also tokenized a commercial paper. That was all brought all, all together onto our platform, which will, was then used for a cross-border settlement, a DDP mm -hmm. and a PDP settlement. And maybe giving you an outlook, you mentioned also custody. Yes, we, we, we have now covered more or less traditional traditional asset classes and, and uh, one of the the additional strategic pillars of SDX is crypto assets. And we have, I think, started that in already in 2020 with the announcement of our joint venture with, with SBI, where we, we have founded the Asian Digital Exchange in Singapore. The focus there is, is, is on crypto, crypto assets, trading and, 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 and settlement and custody. And we are now enhancing or planning to enhance our service offering also in Switzerland. And the focus there is currently on custody services as well as on staking services. Yeah, so, I mean, it's an understatement to say that you've been busy 
So maybe just to, to walk through those, I mean, obviously, you guys do lead the market, I think, in terms of the amount of practical experience that you built up, particularly, as you said, through 2021, you've been involved in lots and lots of pilots and experimentations. If we just walk through those on the on the bond issuance side, what were the big takeaways from that? Because obviously, bond issuance is, is cited as being one of the kind of prime areas for the cost removal and the revenue facilitation that you were talking about. I'm just curious, really, now that you're looking back with obviously an enormous, a few weeks perspective, what were the big takeaways in terms of how that project delivered and what we learned in terms of actually how great a case bond issuance is for DLT? Yes, I think one of the, the main takeaway is that it works. It's actually the first real life uh, use case, uh, like issuing a digital bond on a regulated FMI uh, which is using a DLT-based CSD. I think the to get there, it was was a lot of work involved, and, and one of the takeaways is SDX had the opportunity to to start greenfield. So our systems and capabilities have been built from scratch, but nevertheless, we need to interface with the existing banking infrastructure of of, of our clients, and and I think that was the interfacing, but also processes, legal treatment, regulatory treatment, tax treatment. There was a lot of education needed. So we had to early on involve not only the banks, but also the issuer and also the investors onto that journey to make sure that there is an understanding and and a high level of trust. Because in the end, something we haven't yet mentioned, but we, we we have gone a route or a path where we actually issued a dual a dual tranche bond. And why a dual tranche bond? It's, that's a, a novelty in, in, in Switzerland, so that we haven't done that yet so far, or the traditional exchange hasn't done that so far. That the reason behind actually to, to mitigate the risk. So we want to ensure that there is fungibility between the digital exchange and the traditional exchange. And with that, we could increase the trust to towards the investor. And one of the takeaways is actually that this worked very well. We didn't know how many investors are going to subscribe for a digital for a digital tranche. And in the end, it was two-thirds. So 100 million has been invested in the digital part, which I think it's a great achievement from an SDX perspective. A second learning is also, I mean, what we have created is, is an MVP, is a basis. So obviously, not all the promised benefits of uh, TLDs already have yet paid out. So there is a lot of additional work which we are currently like analyzing and, and, and also in, in, in collaboration with, with the banks, defining priorities, what needs to be what needs to be done to actually get that to a commercial viable offer to make it superior compared of what, what we see today in the traditional space. And I, I'm convinced we are on a very good way, especially the the so-called atomic trading and settlement model, uh, which is co- which is combining trading and settlement settlement into one logical step. That means a trade is only final if the settlement has also been completed in the same cycle, and that obviously eliminates counterparty and market risk. So it reduces the settlement cycle from T plus two to T instant or T zero, bringing a lot of benefits, so reducing costs, being more efficient, but at the same time, at least at the beginning, during the project phase, 
banks were very reluctant to see how that will work in practice because, I mean, their processes are tailored towards T plus two cash management and so on. So that's a big shift in how things are being done in the in the new world. But the feedback was very positive. And I think that's that, that's a great takeaway from my perspective. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think there's two key themes there that uh, resonate a great deal. One is the, the huge amount of education that you have to go, that has to go into just getting, as you said, the three banks on board in terms of, you know, the, the vast amount of, of information across the entire organization. As you said, I love the way you said, you, you know, you've got tax, you've got legal, you've got people that shouldn't be touched by technological change, but ultimately that are all end up being part of that project. So that the need to bring everyone together at the same time is, is enormous, presumably at the forefront of the, at the front of the, of the onboarding. And then, as you said, in terms of benefits derived, I guess one of the, the big questions is on the atomic uh, atomic settlement or atomic trading. We could do an entire series around it. But I mean, the, the pull from the industry, from the banks that have participated, do you get a sense that it's more knowing that it's there and possible or that it's something that people will really want to put into practice in a large scale way? As said, like a year ago, I would, would have probably a completely different answer because the the feedback we got from the market was like that's that's impossible and there is no demand for like shortening settlement cycles and now i think ethics is just one part of that but now with our go life and all that the market's involvement also what we see on the on the crypto side i think there is more and more adoption to shorter settlement cycles and even even banks promoting that model so in my view, yes, I, I do see a conversions towards reduced settlement cycles. I'm not saying that atomic trading and settlements or the instant model is going to be the only model in the future. There will be different models, different use cases. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is only the model if you talk um, for, for on-exchange trades. There is obviously all the possibilities to conduct OTC trades where both counterparties can still agree on, on the delivery model, whether it's tomorrow or uh, in, in, in a few days. So these, these obviously only applies for on, on exchange trades. Now, it's a really good point because ultimately, I mean, you know, obviously in, in parallel to this, there's a the whole question of gross versus net and all this kind of stuff. And I think for me, the, you know, your point is a great one that ultimately this plays a role in a wider range of activities and settlement cycles that people are going to want to deploy. You know, it's, it's not that, you know, atomic settlement is going to become the only model that's available for anyone, that everyone will move to that. It has, it has value alongside everything else that's possible. And now that you know that it's possible, it's an option on the table for people to deploy. So in terms of the, you know, on, on the bank side and working with them, just curious, are there any things that really surprised you in terms of outcomes from the from the project? Because obviously people talk a lot about, you know, faster settlement, but there also there's the whole operational side around reconciliations, compliance benefits often come up in terms of the, you know, the more accelerated shareholder kind of holder transparency. Are there any areas which have come through as particularly compelling as a result of the the bond issuance that that as you said were not necessarily on the cards a year ago. Besides the uh, the benefit or the, the surprise I mentioned before, uh, the feedback or the positive feedback received on the uh, atomic trading and settlement model, it is a surprise was about the like the operational processes. So 
especially on the cash management, because this atomic trading and settlement model requires a different type of cash management. It's, it's, it's a kind of a pre-funding. I mean, the, in a way that the money and the assets don't need to be there when, when, when the order is being entered. But as soon as an order is being matched on the order book, then the post-trade kicks in immediately in the settlement process. In the settlement process, the accounts are being checked on the, on the different DLT nodes, whether cash and, and, and assets are, are available. So in a nutshell, it requires a type of pre-funding and, and, and that leads to quite some challenges on, on, on the bank side because, I mean, in today's world, the DRM is not used to actually pre-inform the trade the treasurer when, when he's doing a deal. And in that in, in, in the new setup, it is required that there is an alignment between trader and, 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 and treasurer so that there is an, uh, sufficient cash and, and the assets are, are available. I think that's, I mean, but it was a surprise. It was, was clearly an outcome of the experiment from, from the bank side. And it's also, I mean, the banks, they are not yet ready to actually integrate into DLT-based system at large scale. So as I mentioned before, I use the term MVP. So we have thought of it with like a, a minimum viable product and conducted the landmark transaction. We now take out our lessons learned and need to improve not only on the ethics side, we also need to improve the automation and processes on the bank side to make it a commercial viable offering. That's something which yeah, we are still at the early stage and it's a long journey. Essex has decided to go on the journey, taking the banks with us. But there is, it's absolutely not a big bang. It will take years to adopt. And in certain areas, the adoption will be faster. And in certain areas, it will take longer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think, as you say, that, you know, that the, the whole question of being able to actually to settle on an on a, atomic basis means that ultimately, as you say, you are effectively, you're funding every trade on a gross basis. And, you know, I think if you look at the DTCC's paper around T plus one, I think they ended up kind of getting to the point where on a consensus basis, probably T zero evening or T one is probably the most comfortable zone because then you can still net the day's exposures, et cetera, et cetera. But what you've done is, as you say, is very clearly brought that conversation into practical reality now in terms of, okay, what do we do? And you know the biggest dependency is, is is clearly not you. It's the banking systems that stand uh, that stand on the other side and interface with you, presumably. So now that it's possible, the whole question moves on to how rather than if, I guess. We hope you're enjoying this episode of our DLT in the Real World podcast series, and that it's making the practicalities of blockchain adoption really nice and clear for you. This series is just part of the work that ISRA and the Value Exchange are doing to give you clear and actionable information around how and where DLT is happening around the capital market space. If you'd like to learn more, you can download the ISRA DLT in the Real World Annual Global Survey from 2021, available at isanet.org or thevx.io, or you just reach out to one of us directly. On the, the CBDC side, I mean, again, entire, I mean, there are entire series dedicated to this. Obviously, the big question is DBP, you know, facilitating DBP. You've taken a large step in terms of evidencing the, the viability of DBP interfacing with the same systems that you were just saying in terms of the banking systems that challenge, uh, that are challenged with this. What were the big, again, big kind of takeaways from the experiments that you've done there in terms of your feeling of readiness around this space and the, the, the idea that basically DVP is, is, is looming, if you like, on a, on a large scale? 
I think the big takeaways from now I'm referring to, to Project Helvetia, the project with the Swiss National Bank uh, around wholesale CBDC, which involved five commercial banks uh, to test the end-to-end integration of a wholesale CBDC, leveraging on, on, on the production rate system of, of SCX. So we, we actually took the, the code brand from, from our uh, live system and, and used that for, for the CBDC experimentation. And the key takeaway is it is feasible and it's actually almost plug and play because on, on the SDX side for our go live solution, we already use a, a kind of tokenized cash. We need to have the cash lag on the ledger in order to allow for this atomic trading and settlement. So for the CBDC experiment, we could actually leverage the, the technical solution design of what we have already built and, and in place and, and properly or su- like successfully working for a productive system, we could we have leveraged that solution design for the CBDC. So it's very close to reality what we have done together with the Swiss National Bank. I think that's one key takeaway. The other takeaway is that the end-to-end integration with commercial banks does work and also the end-to-end integration with Swiss National Bank because they also have replicated CBDC on on their core system and on their balance sheet. So these integration with the commercial banks that was the that was the extension towards what we have done in, in, in phase one. And I think the, the key takeaway is it's it's feasible, but there are operational challenges. So it needs, again, time or, or it needs, there is effort on the banking side to actually set up an additional currency in the accounting system to implement the new reconciliation cycles. And that's something maybe more generic comment I want, I want, to, I want to highlight is as long as we are only building up new silo infrastructure and having to reconcile with existing legacy systems, we're probably not solving too much of of existing problems. We're actually increasing the complexity, but hopefully all everything for the better. So we are aiming to having a more and more closed integration into the core banking system and and rather than reusing reconciliation cycles in, in, in the future. And I would like to make a point because that leads me to to the other CBDC project, which we have conducted with Banque de France and the Swiss National Bank. And there, the, the innovation we, we have done is actually we have we have leveraged, again, the STX platform, the security settlement and, and, and payment platform, the DLT-based platform, and we have created sub-networks. So we had one DLT instance and we created three sub-networks for one for Banque de France, which was deployed in, in, in France, one for the Swiss National Bank, which was deployed in Switzerland, and one for a French commercial bank for the commercial paper. So they had three sub-network, and we have been able to actually allocate sufficient control mechanisms to the central banks in order to make sure they have full control on the issuance of wholesale CPC and on wholesale CBC transactions. For that, we used a novel feature, which was this dual note resigning. But the point I wanted to allude to is, I mean, we have now proven not like using DLT and having one unified system with, with, with sub-networks providing sufficient controls to central banks, rather than having 
different silo systems, different CBDC installations and, 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 and connecting them uh, through, through an interface. Yeah, and I mean, given the parties involved, I mean, you know, I think for me that the, the consistent, the, the, the subtitle of, of this whole conversation is look, it works. You know, I mean, across the bond issuance, across the CBDCs, you know, the key point is that you're proving with, with organisations that are historically generally quite conservative, obviously heavily, heavily regulated, heavily challenged from, from many areas, the fact that it can work. I think the, the, the really key thing that you mentioned there is also is this convergence path with, you know, it's one thing to do it in isolation, as you said, with a totally new build, but ultimately the convergence with core banking systems, with, with basic treasury systems and all this kind of stuff that basically that has been holding everything together for whatever the last 50 years. Just I'd be curious to see where how do you see that convergence happening? You know, you've got the you've proven it works in terms of, you know, you've got a central bank, you've got commercial banks, you've got bank, you know, you've got investment banks all 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 kind of participating. How does this play out next in terms of basically we've issued uh issued, you know, bond issuance, yeah. Um, we've also, I think, you know, on the equity side, obviously private company equity on the horizon. How does this play out to the point where we really start talking about a, a marketplace? It's a, it's a very good question. And I think there, there are a few angles to that, starting with the size of with the member size. Or we're obviously now intending to increase the, the number of participants in the SDX ecosystem. So onboarding additional banks or financial institutions, which then become member on the SDX exchange and also on the SDX CSD. And secondly, it's about loading the current platform with additional volume. So additional bond issuances. We're looking for the first um, digital equity issuance. And we are also working closely together with the blockchain or digital asset ecosystem, because there are a lot of great players out there which actually have in, implemented business models which 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 are live, which are working, but they are missing a trusted partner. They are missing the regulatory angle. That's a great uh, play where we can collaborate with with existing functioning business models and 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 like equally support each other to bring that liquidity on on onto a platform. One thing I mentioned also earlier is we, we need to enhance the capabilities. We have now the first version of the system. We need to enhance the capabilities in order to leverage the, the benefits which DLT is promising uh, in, in the post-trade area. So enhancing smart contracts to, to streamline and automate corporate action and, and settlement processing. And last but not least, I think it's also required to look into new areas because i mean what we have seen five years ago started with cryptocurrencies and i would say cryptocurrencies are, are here to stay the ecosystem is, is developing dramatically fast it's about nft it's about metaverse it's about web 3.0 and we slowly but surely need to start to to put the flag in the ground and and and, and implementing some base capabilities which allow us but also our clients to actually engage into such new types of business models and, and I mean, that's now looking into the future but i would say there there is a lot of momentum and and, and there is i don't think that will stop uh, in, in the near future 
Yeah. And on, on that front end, I guess, on the on the onboarding side, I mean, you mentioned, you know, that the, the you've got the, the two sides of the, of, the, of the coin. You've got, obviously, you need more counterparties to be onboarded in order to have the issuance that's, that's going to trigger the marketplace. But then it, presumably you also need the investor liquidity to be onboarding in order to be able to suck up the issuance. And so, you know, you, you do have this this huge dependency on, on the onboarding piece. I mean, do you get a sense that we're we're getting better at it, I guess, because you know, obviously, every bank comes at it. You know, every bank has got a DLT team, and they're all learning and all this kind of stuff. But you're proving the learning process every day. But do you feel that, from an onboarding and, and implementation perspective, that we're actually that there is that we are accelerating on that? I would say yes, very much. And what's what's the What's the underlying evidence? I mean, I think one core piece is regulatory certainty. And we now see more and more countries and, and regulators establishing their frameworks and, and, and clarity around digital assets, not only cryptocurrencies, but in, in, in a wider sense for, for, for digital assets. And still believe there is a lacking harmonization across, across the jurisdictions, but that's something which <laughs> typically comes later. We see central banks like very actively engaging in, in CBC activities and, and for very different reasons, but they are all keen to, to be engaged to, to actually provide the necessary prerequisites to ensure uh, a stable financial um, industry. And we also, as you mentioned, we see at the banks, more and more banks do have uh, digital assets as part of their strategy, they have an active strategy. Many now moved over the status of, of just doing POCs, having real life uh, implemented use cases. And, and now with, with STX like going live, I think we are seen as a trusted player and, and, and jointly together with with the banks, we are able to actually move that to, to the next stage. And, and, and together with banks, I mean, we need to educate investors and we need to educate issuers. And, and, and we, when we run, obviously, a, B2, a B2B model, so it is all a joint collaboration, educating issuers and, and, and also educating issue, uh, investors to get familiar with digital assets. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, the regulatory parity is a huge facilitator. I think for me that the, the technical readiness is going to be the big challenge is basically is, you know, when you think about all the systems that we love and, and interact with every day, that, you know, how does how do they really plug in? And when does, as you said, when does duplicative become replacement or synergy or whatever the word is? That's going to be a really interesting point that I presumably that's the next bridge to cross. Yes, absolutely agree. And I think we on, on, on the DLT front, we are still at a very early stage. So that's also something we experience at SDX. I mean, like matching an immature technology with a very highly regulated industry. And, and bringing that together uh, was, was one of the big challenges. And, and now, yes, we, we have done that, we've proven that. But now we need to build an ecosystem which is capable to talk to each other and, and not, as I said before, not replicating stuff and, and even adding new silos. We need to break down silos. We need to, the idea is to break down uh, or get rid of intermediaries and, and, and automate stuff, especially in the, in the post-trade area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, well, Matthias, I mean, thank you for running through that because for me, the three points that really stand out is is 
one, you've, as you said, you've chosen a very, very complicated mission statement in terms of trying to bring this new technology into a regulated world. I mean, you've kind of set the benchmark in terms of uh, ambition. But two, I think, you know, as I said, you know, 2021 is, it seems to be the year when, look, it just works. You know, you've got a lot of counterparties. You've proven that this, that this works. But, you know, the third point really is, is the realism that I think that you seem to bring in terms of the fact that this is not something that's just going to happen in Q2 2022. You know, that there is, there's a, there's a build that has to go on here that starts with proving its viability, but then also, there's a natural flow and a speed that this is going to run at and that you, you don't seem to be setting expectations that this is all going to just, we're going to wake up tomorrow and it's all going to be wonderful. So I think the realism that you bring to it is, is very, very clear and I think probably very well appreciated by many. So the Swiss version of DLT coming through in every angle. <laughs> but look, thank you so much for running through that. I hope that's a reasonable summary of, of, of our chat and, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through the huge progress that has been made. and. Uh, uh, as you said, it's real now. So looking forward to a good 2022. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me with you.